Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game! DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange! They don't know about the kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing into this! It is over! The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me want to Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo. A 14-yard quarterback draw. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know, there's validity in that opinion. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1 ESPN Radio Utica Rome. Heard on 96.5 FM. Heard wherever you are on the ESPN app. Just find us there. Take us with you wherever you go. Except the bathroom. That's kind of gross, right? You can watch the program. Hello, friends on Twitch, twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk, where not only you get the visual experience of the program, you get the live chat during the program, and you get two hours of content. We keep the mics on during radio breaks on Twitch, where anything can happen, nothing is off limits. Some of the rules that apply to radio don't necessarily apply to Twitch. Oh, yeah. Things can can get uh, that's hot oh, yeah, you never know what's going to happen on twitch during breaks i may do the her brook speech on twitch and those of you listening on the radio like, oh, maybe we want to hear that it's what you get by subscribing being a part of the twitch experience of the program now the reason i've got the her brook speech on my mind which if you know me well i always have on my mind because it's just one of those weird things about me that i just know that speech by heart that her brooks gave the USA hockey team before they went out and beat those Ruskies in 1980. It is the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, which is amazing to think about. Syracuse Crunch tomorrow night are hosting Miracle on Ice night, in addition to our great promotion we're doing with the Crunch, where your sweetie could be in the suite. We gave away tickets and dinner at Shaughnessy's and a great date. That's a date night right there. Let's go to a hockey game, right? You got a, a lady that wants to go to a hockey game on Valentine's Day, then by golly, just put a ring on it right now. right? If, if your bride, if that is her choice of Valentine's Day activities, then you got to keep her. you got to keep her right there. So lots happening at the Crunch Game tomorrow, including an appearance by Ken Morrow. Team USA Hockey goes right from that and wins a Stanley Cup with the New York Islanders, won a few more Stanley Cups after that, with the New York Islanders, and he is going to join us in 15 minutes. We're going to talk all about the Miracle on Ice, that team, Herb Brooks, the Islanders dynasty, what he's doing today, all the memories. You're going to have to brush them away from your faces today. 40 years since the Miracle on Ice. It's amazing. February 22nd, the exact date, but the Crunch are going to celebrate it tomorrow night with Miracle on Ice night. We will talk to Ken Morrow Right here in this hour in about 15 minutes. We'll talk to Jim Beheim as we do every Thursday on the block. We'll do that next hour thanks to our friends at Burdick Lexus. And lots to talk about with Coach. We'll get a update on Elijah Hughes. We will preview Florida State. 
and get Coach's thoughts on a longtime record held by a Syracuse basketball player that finally fell last night, if you didn't see that. Hot takes will be devoted to the tire fire coming from Houston Astros camp today and that apology, if you can even call it an apology press conference, what a disaster. I mean, the, the Astros are already in a bad spot. The cheating scandal, what has come from that, everywhere they go on the road this year. For those that don't feel the Astros got punished enough, and players were certainly left off that for the moment. Players were left off of the punishment. They're going to get theirs by every visiting stadium they go in with the trash can jokes and the cheating jokes and and everything. So we're going to devote hot takes to that today because... If you didn't see it, you need to. If you didn't hear it, you need to. And by golly, what a tire fire. So that is to come. Plenty of Syracuse hoops talk throughout the program and so much more. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. Now, Syracuse goes into Saturday's game against Florida State, up against it no matter what. If they have Elijah Hughes, I am not a doctor. I merely play one on the radio. Even if they do, he's not 100%, right? You just don't kind of get over a groin injury. And by the way, he had a wrap on his lower leg as well. So Elijah has, hasn't really shown the effects of it to this point, to his credit, but he's starting to feel the effects, the wear and tear of his season. Okay, a groin injury, I haven't had one, thankfully. It's not an injury I would choose if I had to, nor would uh, many people. You just don't, that's not a hangnail. You don't just kind of clip that thing and move on, right? That's not an injury that goes away. That's not a 24-hour virus. That's something that is going to linger, especially for a basketball player that logs as many minutes as anybody in the country usually. The lateral movement you need, the catch and, you know, just think of the, the process of shooting a basketball and kind of, you know, jumping, using your legs, okay, the whole process of what how the lower body catch and shoot and the stress that's put on your lower body as a basketball player, I just don't think you get over that in a couple days. Elijah tweeted yesterday that it was nothing major, and that's great. I think that Bayheim and the medical staff, Brad Pike and his great crew at Syracuse, will have ultimate say on that. Now, they didn't practice yesterday. at a mandated day off, so then they'll practice today. They'll practice tomorrow. They'll travel to Florida State. Remember, Jim Beheim does not do morning walkthroughs of games, and with a noon game, why would you? So it's really today's practice that's the most important. They'll practice before they leave tomorrow, but this is the one you really got to see how he's recovered, how he's doing. In his words, via social media, nothing major. Okay. Well, we'll see. If Syracuse is going to beat Florida State, And I stand here, I'm literally sitting, but I stand here before you on the radio today. I will stand for those of you watching on Twitch, so I'm being literal right now. Okay, I'm standing. Now I'm sitting back down. Okay. So I could just use the phrase, I stand before you. I stand before you doing a radio program where Georgia Tech beat Louisville last night. We are in a college basketball season. That is strange. It is weird. It is unpredictable. 
We have seen Syracuse defy the odds too many times in recent years to declare here on February the 13th that they are in or out of the tournament. Now, as it stands right now, they're not in a single bracket of significance. I don't know, maybe you've got your own blog somewhere and nobody knows where it is, and you've got it in. That's great. But the over 100 brackets tracked by the bracket matrix. Do a Command-F search for Syracuse on that page, and you will not find that name. Certainly Joe Lenardi does not have Syracuse in the bracket, which a lot of you may say, well, who cares what Lenardi thinks because he's been wrong about Syracuse a lot in recent years. Something that Joe will be free to admit, something that Joe did admit to me today. Had him on my podcast. Hope you can subscribe. And in the course of that conversation, I said, Joe, let's just live in a fantasy land where Syracuse beats Florida State and Louisville. Where does that put him? Here's what he said. Oh, they would be right on the edge of the field at that point and maybe even in it to, to get not just two quad one wins, but two upper end quad one wins. Uh, and and I think, you know, let's tell it like it is. If, if Syracuse played either of those teams in a best of seven on a neutral court, I think the smart money would take the other team, let's say, in five. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That that feels about right. So, you know, that means that 20% of the time they're, they're going to win against those teams, roughly. Uh, subtracted in however much weight you want to put to them being road games. Uh, but, but, you know, Louisville has stumbled uh, against Georgia Tech this week. Uh, Florida State uh, uh, l- lost a home game not that long ago, so it's not impossible. But to get them back to back, that's one of the reasons why I feel kind of deep down that it's just not going to happen for the Orange this year. Maybe that makes you feel better because Lenardi's been wrong so much about this team in recent years. But here's where the other years don't matter. First of all, Hughes's status is still kind of a shoulder shrug emoji guy, and they need their best player to beat those two teams. I think I'm pretty safe in saying that, even though weird things have happened, including last night. Georgia Tech beat Louisville, and I understand that Georgia Tech had Alivardo back, and they didn't when they played Syracuse, and I understand all that, but that's still a pretty significant upset. Okay. Number two, the ACC might be lucky to get four teams in. Now you're asking for a fifth. The opportunities to win up left in the regular season are few and far between, and they're coming in the next two games for Syracuse. Now Pitt might end up being a quad one win, because that's on the road, and that's how the system works. But if you lose these two, and that's your quad one win, and right now Syracuse does not have a top 50 win. They're 4-9 and nine against quad one and quad two, and they don't have a non-conference win of significance. 14-10 and 10 overall, 7-6, 68 net ranking. Nothing about their resume stands out in a crowded field. You beat Louisville and Florida State, you got something, as Joe just told us there. So as wrong as Lenardi's been, he's not wrong in that sense, reading the field this year. So that is their mission should they choose to accept it. That is their task ahead of them. Florida State, if Syracuse was 100% healthy, is still a nightmare. It's a nightmare of a matchup, not only for Syracuse, but for a lot of teams. A lot of teams. That is a team on the short list 
that can win not only the ACC, obviously, but the national championship. They have 10 players, 10 that average double-digit minutes. Leonard Hamilton, it's basically the anti-Bayheim philosophy. He goes deep on his bench. The buzzer is constantly sounding. If you work the scorer's table at a Florida State game, you are busy. You got smoke coming off your fingers pushing that button because Leonard Hamilton loves to sub, put fresh bodies out there. Florida State is the tallest team, which is something Syracuse has been in recent years, by the way, but the tallest team in college hoops. I mean, they go in that lineup. They go, here it is, 6'4", 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", and then if they put Raekwon Gray in at center, that's a seven-footer to go with that group. But again, that lineup is so versatile because of the constant subbing and mixing. That is a nightmare for Syracuse. A tall athletic team that subs a lot, that pushes tempo, that you can't really slow down. Now, Florida State not shoot well from three-point range against Duke. I think they were 3 of 18, like Syracuse was, by the way, the other night. But rare is it that Florida State has a bad night like that. They're at home, and there's a lot going for them. All this being said, all this buildup, every word that just came out of my mouth, college basketball is weird this year. And if Hughes is right, that it's nothing major, and he comes out and starts on a hot streak, which opens things up for Buddy. Because I think we learned Tuesday night, Buddy can't be the lead dog. Because you're going, to, the other team is going to put their primary defender on him, right? And he can't be the lead dog. Gerard's got to score more. Gerard has to take on more of a leadership role. Gerard has to be more offensive minded. He proved Tuesday night he can do that. And the good thing with Gerard is he makes a couple more threes. He's one of ten Tuesday night. He makes a couple more. They win that game, and he gets his confidence back. Pretty darn confident to score 30 points in a game, something only Lawrence Moten, Pearl Washington, and Carmelo Anthony have done as freshmen at Syracuse. But you don't want to, air quotes, waste those efforts in a loss, right? He hits a few more threes. We're really cooking with, with, with fire here. Don't write it off. You can't. We have learned the lesson too much with this team. It does really hinge, though, on Elijah. That's the big question over the next two days. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. A lot to do on this show today, including in a few minutes we're going to catch up with somebody who was on the Miracle on Ice squad and then a few months later won a Stanley Cup, one of the better NHL players to come off of that Miracle on Ice team. And, you know, that team was a, a ragtag bunch of college kids that went out and beat the mighty Russian machine. But I was surprised to learn this today, and I thought I knew pretty much everything about that Team USA squad because I've been to Lake Placid a lot, and I've been in that rink a lot. And I, I love the Miracle on Ice team and reading about it and watching documentaries about it, and it's one of my favorite things. There was something about the success of that team in the pros that even I didn't know that I want to ask Ken Morrow about coming up. So we will do that in just a few minutes. He will be at the Crunch game tomorrow night, Miracle on Ice night. Let's get a read on the market first. My man Joe from Lee Baldwin is here to do that. Hello, Joe. How are you, man? 
X, how are you today? Living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. We're about to talk to a guy who played for the Miracle on Ice team. I mean, it, that's it, what it, I just heard. That's amazing. That's awesome. I mean, it, it pales in comparison to talking to you, of course. But you know, well, come on. Someone always has to come in second. You know, <laughs> that's right, my friend. That's right. How do we do on the market today? Let's see here. The uh, Dow was down 128 points, closing at 29,423. The S&P off five points, closing at 3,374. The uh, diamond of the day today was Tesla, up $36, closing at $804 a share. And Wayfair was the dog of the day, closing down 1361 to 8207. We'll get into it here, Joe. We'll save it for another time. I've heard really bad things about Wayfair, like things that that. Yeah, that gross you out. How about that? How about that for a Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, not surprised to hear their stock is down today. I'll just it's say translating, that. then. It's translating to the bottom line. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, sir. Take it easy. Always appreciate it. That is our friend Joe from Lee Baldwin and Company. We will break on that note. We will come back. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Ken Morrow heard that speech, went out there, beat the Roskies. Won the Stanley Cup. He's going to be at the Crunch Game tomorrow, but we're going to talk to him next. Stay right there. The analysis you want without the interruptions, only on twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. Subscribe now through your Amazon Prime account for free. Twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. Without Jerry McEnroe, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay, not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me want to shout. Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo. A 14-yard quarterback draw. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know, there's validity in that opinion. Here's X-Men. We're back, baby, on the block. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk, where you get to see the show. You get a live chat during the show, and you get mics on for two straight hours. When we do radio commercials, the mics stay on here in studio. I uh, did the Herb Brooks speech from memory for those on Twitch. People are making fun of Pauly Sibilia in the live chat, which just makes me happy. Allegedly, Paulie and I are going to do a podcast tomorrow. I just nailed him down on a time. Uh, so if you subscribe to ESPN Syracuse and iTunes, you get the podcast of this show, all of our great shows here on ESPN Syracuse, and the We Get It podcast when Paulie actually commits to doing his own podcast, which I believe, allegedly, we have booked for tomorrow. Also on tomorrow's show, John Desco, head lacrosse coach of your Syracuse Orange. We're beginning our weekly Friday chats with Coach Desco and the John Desco Show Starts next week here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. And the first few shows this year, Brian Higgins will be your usual host, but uh, yours truly is going to step in and sub for Higgo. As Brian's a very busy guy calling Syracuse women's basketball as well. So we're looking forward to not only our weekly chat with Coach Desco here on the block every Friday, but the John Desco show coming up, the first few, which I will be doing uh, Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Jim Beheim 
is going to join us in about 15 minutes for his weekly chat with us on Thursdays. And as Seth just mentioned, don't forget tonight, the Jim Beheim Show at Carabas and live on your radio over on Brostat TK99 as well. Now, my friend Donna DeTota just uh, texted me personally. I'm kidding. She actually sent out one of our great texts that we do to our subscribers at Syracuse.com, and she's about to post a story about this kind of, sort of, an Elijah Hughes update. We'll get kind of, sort of, an Elijah Hughes update from Jim Beheim coming up. Now, full disclosure, I talked to Jim before they practiced today, and he had not seen him practice, so I'm sure Jim will give us a little bit more, although he's probably not going to be apt to reveal much, nor should he, uh, during the Jim Beheim show tonight. You want to keep Florida State in the dark as much as you can. I think they want to evaluate Elijah Hughes over the next couple of days and be sure about his status for Saturday. But here's what Donna said. Uh, No real news today about Elijah Hughes in the window that we, as uh, in that case the media, allowed his reporters to watch practice. He spent most of the time in the trainer's room, though he did stretch with the team before practice officially began. Donna said uh, she has told a decision on whether Elijah will play against Florida State will be made on Saturday. So he is a game-time decision, and I think that's a smart play. Elijah tweets yesterday, nothing major. Okay, that's his opinion. That's fine, but let's see what the experts say. Let's see what Brad Pike and the training staff see, evaluate, and say on Saturday and over the next couple of days what Jim's decision is, what Elijah has to weigh. Listen, this is a selfish decision for Elijah in the sense that this is somebody that has the aspirations to go pro. I think after this season, I'd love to be wrong about that and see him play with this team next year. But that was one of the more interesting things that we saw on Tuesday, wasn't it? And speaking of Donna, she wrote a great piece about this on Syracuse.com. We got a real look into the future about what the 2020-2021 Syracuse basketball team could look like with Elijah out, because I am operating under the assumption he's going to give it a go in the pros. I think he'll get drafted, by the way. There was a Naismith Award semifinalist today. I think they cut it down to like the last 25 or something, and he was not on that list, which is a joke, because he's been arguably the second or third best player in the entire ACC this year, and I understand the ACC's down, but that should get you on that list. The production, the consistency, every game he played in, because he only played a couple minutes Tuesday night. He's been in double figures. He's been one of the leading scorers in the ACC. I don't really think I've got to sell you on this. If you're a Syracuse fan and watch this team, he's been one of the best players in the league, bar none. Not an argument. Awards are awards. They are what they are, but, I mean, that's a joke. So whoever, I'm not going to say whoever wins that thing, it's like, you know, fake news or discredited, but he deserves to be there. And I'm very careful about saying what athletes deserve and what kind of awards you should get and things of that nature, but that's a joke. So that is uh, an update from Donna from practice. Good news that he's stretching, that he's in some way participating. They're going to see how he is and go from there. But uh, we're pointing towards, and, and you know, I don't want to give everything away that Jim says, but certainly Jim Beheim indicates in our conversation coming up that Elijah's going to be a game-time decision. If you missed it last hour... By the way, we talked to Ken Morrow, Team USA, Miracle and Ice Squad, 1980, U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer, four-time Stanley Cup champion. What a thrill. What a thrill to talk to Kenny. 
I've been very lucky to interview a lot of people in doing this job. The biggest thrill I get is when I get to talk to members of that team. I've talked to Jim Craig. I've talked to Mark Johnson. I've ne- Believe it or not, I've never interviewed Mark, uh, Mike Ruzioni. Just never had the opportunity. Certainly hope to someday. But the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice team is coming up, and the Syracuse Crunch are going to celebrate that tomorrow, Miracle on Ice night. The jerseys they're going to be wearing are incredible. A rivalry game with the Crunch and the Comets coming up. The Galaxy Cup on the line. Let's go. going to be a great night tomorrow night. And, of course, you'll hear that game right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. So if you missed that chat with Kenny, uh, ESPNSyracuse.com in the audio vault. And, uh, boys, let's put that on the iTunes feed, too. I think that'd be good thing to put out there. We'll talk to Jim Beheim coming up in about 10 minutes. I talked to uh, today, and you can listen to that, subscribe to it, follow it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. my Syracuse sports podcast. Not the dopey podcast I did with Paul, a different podcast. Talked to Joe Lenardi today. And Lenardi, as wrong as he's been, and he's been wrong about Syracuse in the past few years, This year, he's got a smaller and more accurate sample space to work with. But he did say if Syracuse beats, I said, let's live in a world where you you play Florida State and win. You play Louisville and win. And Louisville lost to Georgia Tech last night, so can't rule anything out. He said at the very least, they'd be placed as one of the last few teams in. That's the opportunity that's ahead for Syracuse, but it's also the limited opportunity opportunity that's ahead for Syracuse because Florida State and Louisville are the last two games left in the regular season that shine on your resume, that stand out on your resume, that vault you into a place that now you're knocking out some of the other bubble teams that are there with you. I mean, Syracuse right now is 14-10, and 10, they're 7-6, and six, their net ranking is 68, they do not have a top 50 win, they're 4-9 and nine combined against quad one and quad two teams. If you beat Florida State, let's say Elijah's healthy, and they come out and just get into one of those offensive rhythm games, can run up and down the floor with Florida State, which is not going to be easy. Florida State is long. They're athletic. They have 10 guys that average. 10 guys! This is like a Syracuse. If you're a Syracuse fan, and you are a Syracuse fan that lives in a world... Did I check that off my uh, bingo board here? Let me double check. We've got to have that on the bingo board, right? The depth thing. There it is. It's already checked off my bingo board. No depth. If you are a Syracuse fan that feels that way and has long felt that way, watching Leonard Hamilton teams just must be bliss for you because the buzzer is constantly going. The substitutions are flowing. They just come at you in waves. He believes in that. He recruits players to play him. And it just so happens that this Florida State team is as deep and as good as a team as Leonard Hamilton has ever had at that school. And for a college basketball season that we keep hearing about parity and the wackiness of it, and it is. I mean, last night is a perfect example of it. Louisville loses to Georgia Tech. Who saw that coming? I know Georgia Tech's better. They got one of their key players back. And Elvardo, who didn't play against Syracuse when Syracuse beat him 97-63. Syracuse, by the way, gets Georgia Tech coming up in this run. Um, do I have the net rankings open here? If not, I'll pull them up. I don't think Georgia Tech's going to end up being 
a quad one win, but they were hovering around that line last time I checked. So Georgia Tech beats, yeah, they're still hanging at 80 right now. Quad one is top 75, but it's different home and road, so that's not going to end up being a, a quad one win at all. But Florida State is, Louisville is, Pittsburgh, let's see where Pittsburgh is when Syracuse plays them in a couple of weeks. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Last I checked, they were hovering on the line, too. But I don't see them around the quad one line here. Did they move up? So Syracuse is 68 after losing to NC State the other night. There's Georgia Tech at 80. I might be glossing over Pitt. Oh, Pitt fell big time. Yikes. So Pitt is, they were previously 78. They're now 92. So yeah, that's not going to end up being a quad one game. We know North Carolina has fallen off the map, so that's not going to be a quad one game. It's these two. It's these two are bust, and if, if it's not that, you got to win the ACC tournament. It's It's that simple. So there is a path. It's just rocky and not easy to navigate if you're Syracuse. And it hinges completely on beating Florida State and Louisville and not knowing the full status of Elijah Hughes. But even if he plays, is he really 100%? How effective will he be? Can you push him the 38, 39 minutes? He usually plays all big questions on the mind of Syracuse fans as they go into that game. And we'll talk to that about that part of me with Jim Beheim coming up. Before that, though, we talked to... The one and only Scooter in Jamesville on the block. What's up, Scoot? Thanks, man. First of all, uh, it's great memories about the uh, a miracle on ice. I was up at Oswego State at the time, and I never seen a place that almost you know had had the band stop because they replayed the game at night. It was a Friday night when they when they won it, and so the Great Laker had they actually pushed back the band because everybody was just hovering around about two TV sets watching so, the replay. Yeah, what's of the miracle like, on ice? Scoot? Take me back then, because. <laughs> The game's on tape delay, first of all. We don't live in the modern society. We do. So even though they had won a few hours earlier, word doesn't really get around that fast that they had won that game. Maybe some phone calls to be made, and some people knew. But, you know, when you're watching that and what it was like on campus, I mean, that had to be just amazing because, you know, people know the story. I'm not telling anything you don't know, but this country was in a pretty bad spot at the time. So to go out there and beat the mighty Ruskies, a hockey team of all things, puts a surge of patriotism back into this country that we had not seen in a long time. Oh, it was great. You're absolutely right. I, I happen to know the score, but you're right. It wasn't like now with Twitter and, and social media. I think the game was actually played at 4 o'clock that day, I think. It was. And they, yep. re, and they replayed it. And of course, the big thing was they just you know, they didn't think it was going to be big, so they put Al Michaels to win the game, which I think, I think never did a hockey game in his life. And you know, you know, thank God for Ken Dryden. I think he was the uh, color commentator. And uh, he actually had some, you know, local ties. He played for Cornell. That's right. He was a, he was a great, great goalie for the Montreal Canadiens. By so the way, Michaels. if you're a hockey fan, Ken Dryden's written a lot of books. But yeah. if you read The Game by Kenny Dryden, one of the best sports books of all time. Just incredible. Just had to say that. But you're right, but the but the patriotism. I mean, like I said, this is this is being replayed tonight and we're at a place called the Great Laker Inn that's known for their bands. And they pushed the band back because nobody could care about them. You know, even though we we wanted that feeling, that sensation, and you know, the Russians. And of course the last five minutes, you know, 
uh, it was just incredible. I mean, the place was going nuts like a, it was like a real live game. It, you know, it was just like watching the game like now. And it was, it was just an amazing time. Like I said, it was a different era. Uh, you know, I mean, this would have been broadcast everywhere. This game would have been at 4 o'clock. And remember, that wasn't a gold medal game. They had That's to play exactly a, right. They had to play Sunday. Finland. It's yeah, on tape delay. In the morning. Uh, yeah, no there's way. so many things. Uh, Syracuse yeah. native Peter Capasilli was the guy who ran on the ice and put the flag on Jimmy Craig. I mean, there's there's so many cool stories that, that come out of that yeah. day. And Lake Placid yeah. is, is still a special place. I go there often and, and, yeah. and always cherish it. Quick about the issue. I wouldn't put Hughes on the plane. I mean, think about the longest the longest plane plane ride with a, with a groin. If that thing ever t- it ties up and you can't stretch it out, I mean, I, I, I'll keep them home. I, I, I mean, that's just the way I would do it. I because, I, okay, I, I well, mean, if, if well, obviously, if Brad Pike has a medical opinion in that way, of course you do. But if, if he's cleared, he right. goes because this is the biggest game of the season. And right. I know that I, that I, was the case Tuesday, and that was the case before that, and every game before that, it seems like. But I think if... If the window is even barely open for that opportunity, he goes. Now, okay. he's in a selfish spot himself, Scoop, because he's got a pro career to think about, and you don't sure. want to push this harder. That's why I'm wondering if this is one of those injuries where it's just kind of a pain tolerance thing or if you can make it worse. Sometimes there's injuries like, okay, this is what it is. You can't make it worse, but can you deal with the pain? I'm not sure... Uh, where this one qualifies, but I think if he can go, he's got to go because it's it's just that big of a game. And by the way, you mentioned about Pittsburgh dropping. They lost to Clemson by 20 uh, last night. Yikes. That's why they dropped like a rock. Yikes. So you're right. It's all or nothing, Florida State, Louisville. That's what I'm wondering. That I might put my, my – the only way we've got a legit shot, I think, of making a tournament is there maybe the run in, in, in a tournament, and they have the ability because everybody's on deck and shoot the three. They can get hot. That's why I don't, I don't want to lose Hughes for the rest of the year because of one game. And I'm, I'm a little concerned because those groin muscles, when they tighten up, you don't know until you jump. And once you jump, it's too late. That's and it. That's I'm a little worried about, buddy. So what we know now, and thanks, Scoot, as always, my friend, is Donna reported from practice that uh, it's a limiting viewing that reporters get to see, but he was stretching. The plan is to practice him, but he's, he's going to be a game-time decision. That's something that Jim Beheim will tell us coming up here as well. But something Scoot said reminded me way back in November when I, I think it was actually late October. I think I submitted it on on Halloween. You know, we do our predictions on Syracuse.com, and it's always my least favorite thing to do because, A, I'm always wrong, and, B, people always remind me that I'm wrong. Nobody remembers when I'm right. It does happen occasionally, people, but it's fine, whatever. I predicted that this team would go to the Sweet 16. And a lot of people kind of gave me the the arched eyebrow for that. And the reason I said that was something Scooter just hit on in his phone call. All you got to do is get in. You hit the reset button. And this was a team, even then I looked at and I said, this team can hit threes. Hughes can hit threes. And I think he would improve to the point where he'd be a scoring machine. I thought Buddy Beheim would meet would make marked improvement. I was taking the leap of faith that Joe Girard would get it going by about this time of the year and would be a threat to hit threes. And you were kind of counting on Marek and Quincy Garrier to make a big impact. I kind of overshot the impact that Garrier would make, though we're kind of seeing him play a lot better now. And that's the only reason I said that. I'm like, look, this just feels like a team that could somehow sneak in and just make a run based on the zone and they can shoot threes. Well, one of those two things... 
and even that's been off the last seven games with the way this team shoots threes and their defense just not only has it not come around, it's not going to come around to the point where it's a true Syracuse 2-3 zone threat. So we're going to know pretty clearly here after these next two games whether this team's in or out, short of a miracle ACC tournament run. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. Friends on Twitch, we're going to talk about our friends at Lee's and Steigerwald. Downtown coming up during the break. Mike, stay on during commercial breaks for our friends on Twitch. For both Twitch and radio coming up next, it's our weekly chat with Jim Beheim. Stay tuned. You're on the block ESPN Radio.